0: Now, we established last week that the book of Revelation starts and it ends with a promise. The book of Revelation, it starts and it ends with a promise. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, blessed is he who reads, blessed is he who hears, blessed is he who obeys the words of this prophecy. You've got to read it. You've got to listen to it. Repeatedly in Scripture, you'll see the phrase, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Blessed is he who reads, hears, and obeys. Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. Blessed are those who obey the words that are uh, written in this book. So there is a promise that God gives us. When it comes to the book of Revelation, you will be blessed. Now, I want you to contemplate this thought. Years ago, right after I got saved, My buddy Walter, who was instrumental in discipling me, Walter encouraged me to get into the Word of God, to start to read, to hear, and obey the Word of God. But Walter looked at me one day and he said, do you have a birthday verse? I'm like, a birthday verse? He said, you need a birthday verse. And he quoted a verse that was relevant to his birthday. He said, get you a birthday verse. Well, my birthday is December 11th, which is next Tuesday, and so you can text me, send gifts to... No, but uh, my birthday is 12-11. And so as I was looking through scripture, some of my favorite writings are Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, the pastoral writings of Timothy and Titus. The problem is there's only four, five, six chapters in those books. And so I started looking through a variety. I mean, Psalms, it's like, okay, I, I, I can dig there. But the verse that really hit me, and I thought, this is going to be my birthday verse, Revelation 12-11. Revelation 12 11. And it says this I was sharing it with Nick's daughter's last week because Natty Kate his uh younger daughter her birthday is December 12th. And so her birthday is the day after mine and Harper who is the daughter of Jeremy and Amanda Harper's birthday is December 11th. And so for the last four or five weeks Harper comes up to me every Sunday and goes, "How many more Tuesdays before our birthday?" But I'm like, uh, I haven't gone there with Harper because she's only going to be nine. But I'm like, do you have a birthday verse? Mine is Revelation twelve eleven, And it says that they overcame him. They, those who believe in Christ, who read, obey, who listen, who really do what God says. They overcame him, him meaning Satan, the evil one. They overcame him through the blood of the Lamb. It's like, yes, that's how we overcome Darkness is through the blood of Jesus. They overcame him through the word of their testimony. Their testimony carried weight. And it goes on to say that they did not love even their own lives, even to the point of death, which means they were willing to die for their fate. How did they overcome the enemy? Through the blood of the Lamb, through the word of their own testimony. They actually lived what they said they believed, and they were not afraid to die a martyr's death. So I encourage you. Next week, I'm going to probably come up to most of you that I see and go, Hey, Merle, what's your uh, birthday verse? Or Chad or Drew. So get your birthday verse. I think it'll be fun to share. Revelation. We said that the word revelation means the apocalypse. The apocalypse, the word apocalypse means to unveil, to reveal, to uncover, to disclose. And so it's not a scary word. The apocalypse. No, it's biblical. It's a very strong biblical word but it means to disclose and reveal. And it's amazing when you read through and study through and ponder through the book of Revelation uh, how many statements are made regarding the person of Jesus that we use. Now check this out, Drew. All of these verses in Revelation, uh, revealing who Jesus Christ is, the Alpha and the Omega. It's in Revelation. He's the beginning and the end, the one who is the one One who was and the one who is to come. He is the Almighty, the first and the last, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the risen, glorified Son of God. He's the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over all of the kings of the earth, the one who is dead but now is alive forevermore, the Son of God, the one who is holy and true, the beginning of all creation, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb in heaven, who has the authority to open the title deed of everything that happens on earth. Power, authority. He's the word of God. He's the majestic king of kings and lord of lords. He's the offspring of David. Even says that he is the root of David. And David worshipped this king named Jesus before Christ was ever born. Some 700 years before Messiah Jesus come. David is already worshipping him because he could see, prophetically speaking, that Messiah was coming. He is the bright and the morning star. So when you read all of this in the book of Revelation regarding Christ, the revelation of Christ, I will tell you, it causes us to have to fall on our knees. And we fall on our knees in adoration of who he is. And then we stand and we sing in celebration because he's king. And so I believe if we ever get a proper view, Paul, of who Jesus Christ is, it leads us to adoration, it leads us to celebration, and it will drive you to live a life of personal sanctification. When you know who Christ is, when you know what he's done, when you know that he's worked personally in your life, you go, I gotta live a sanctified life. Meaning I got I gotta live set apart. I wanna do everything I can to honor this king. Now, here's where I'm going to take you today. Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Okay? Jesus is standing in the middle of these seven churches. And as Jesus stands in the middle of this church, I want you to listen to what he has to say. Jesus is standing from Ephesus all the way to Laodicea, these seven churches. And we established last week, that this was written to the seven churches, but it's written to us. The word church in the New Testament, the word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia. The word ekklesia means those who belong to the Lord. Who's the church? Those who belong to the Lord. The church that Jesus Christ founded was not based on brick sticks or a geographical location. It is in the hearts of men and women that have repented and place their faith in Him as Savior, Lord, Master, Ruler, and King. So He's standing before the churches, us. Now it was written to the seven churches there in that day. There's a map that will show you the seven churches. That will uh, the map will kind of give you a clue of where these seven churches are located. Uh, it's modern day Turkey uh, now, but the seven churches that He's writing to now it's to us as well. Now listen to what he's saying. Christ is standing in front of you. Christ is hanging with you. Listen to what he's saying. Shh. Listen to the voice of the Lord. What is he saying? He says to the church of Ephesus, I will dive deeper into Ephesus and Laodicea. You've forsaken your first love. You've left your first love. You serve me, but you don't love me. You've allowed your love for me to grow cold. I want to see you reawaken your love for me. Ephesus. We'll dive into Ephesus. But your love is cold. You've got the right motions. You ain't got the right heart. Listen to what he says. Smyrna. Remember Smyrna in Philadelphia? I applaud y'all. I applaud y'all. Y'all are solid. Listen to what he says to the church at Smyrna. You're going through suffering, but you're enduring and you're staying with it. You live with some intense pressure. Realize this. Realize this. I'm not going to rescue you from the opposition and struggle that you're going through. But you've got to be willing to stay with me until my kingdom comes. Many of us, many of us would do well to ponder Jesus speaking to Smyrna. Many of us start to go through persecution, opposition, struggles, and storms. Hey, hey, God, rescue me from this. Deliver me from this. And he goes, I'm not. I want to walk with you. It so you will know that I'm enough. And sometimes I've seen people abandon the faith because God didn't come through the way they thought God should have come through. If you love me, you would rescue me from this. And God goes, No, I love you, Daniel, but I'm going to allow you to be thrown into a pit of lions. I I love you, Hananiah. Azariah and Mishael, but I'm going to allow you to go through the fiery furnace. I love you, but I'm going to allow you to go through some suffering because I care more about purifying you and perfecting you than I do eliminating chaos in your life. It ain't about you, it's about me. And the only way I can conform you to my likeness is you're going to have to go through it, but I'm going to be with you. He's speaking that to some. Then you look at the church of Pergamum. They battled immorality. It was a godless culture. And they accommodated a lot of godless things that was going on in that day. And I believe he looks and he says, here's the problem. You guys are not willing to examine and confess the sin in your life. Y'all are going through the motions and I know the culture you live in is, is, is pretty raunchy. But listen to me you guys accommodate a lot of immoral things and it's taking you down and you've got to be willing to examine what's happening in your life and confess it and deal with it that's the word for certain people in here today you you over the last weeks and months and even years you started to accommodate immorality things that were immoral and it goes back to you've left this first love you started going to the things of the world and it's godless and but but you've made excuses and justify why why you what you're doing is really not that bad, so you keep doing it. And some of us are living at Pergamum. And then Thyatira, that just was totally corrupt and dishonest, and they had accommodated again and even tolerated the spirit of Jezebel. You can read it, but they had become very tolerant. And remember, the British journalist G.K. Chesterton said tolerance is the virtue for the man with no conviction. And we live in a society here today where all we hear is you've got to become more tolerant. And the society tells us just tolerate whatever. But I do think Chesterton was right when he said tolerance is the virtue for the man with no conviction. What are you willing to stand on? Is there truth? Is there absolute? Now there's a way to love people, but we have many. That are stuck right now. Living in Thyatira. And then he addresses the church at Sardis. He says you're just dead. The church now. Remember church. Those who belong to the Lord. Church is implying that they had repented. You can't be a part of the church. Unless you were repented. And he's looking at them saying. You're dead. You're spiritually dead. You're very religious. And you're very busy, but you're spiritually empty. There's no fire. There's no consuming fire. Your church programs are shallow. Spiritually, you're empty. And I I promise you, we have to stop and go, is that me today? I'll go to church. I'll attend some fellowship things occasionally. But if you cut me open, am I just asleep and dead, numb? And he goes, you've got, you got to get it right. And then he goes, church at Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. I know you feel tired, but you've honored my name. You've stayed with it. You've kept my word. You're staying strong. What you do matters to me and my kingdom. Keep walking in the spirit. And some of us need the, the encouragement with where we're at right now. We, we know we've pressed into the Lord, but it's been a tough time. It's been a tough season. Brandy, the chemo has been hard, multiple surgeries. My girl has been difficult, but the Lord is saying, hey, you're in Philadelphia, the city over here is, I know you're tired and weak and weary, but hey, you've kept my word, you've honored me, you've shared my love with those over there getting chemo with you, stay with I'm not going to rescue you from what you're going through. You're going to go through it, but I'm going to use you where I've got you. I know it's a tough assignment. And I promise you, there's people in our life at times that are going through tough times, and they need another brother or sister to come alongside them, Drew, to say, stay with it. You're honoring his name. Then he looks at the church of Laodicea, and he says, you're lukewarm, self obsession drives what you do. You believe you're okay but really you're royally jacked up. You're consumed with feeling good about yourself. This is what he says to the church at Laodicea. You nauseate me. How about that one right there? You nauseate me. You make me want to puke, vomit, spit you up. That's the literal word there. And what he says there is examine yourself, repent, and get right. Quit playing the games. So, come on, let me break it down for you. Revelation chapter 2, listen to what he says. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. I'm going to dive deeper here with you. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. Write this. I know your deeds. I know your toil. I know your perseverance. And here's what he's saying. I know who you are. I know where you are. I know what you're doing. I know your strengths, I know your weaknesses. I know, I know you. But I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds or redo what you did at first or else I will remove your lampstand, your influence, who you are, out of its place, unless you repent. Listen to what the Spirit says to the one who overcomes. I will grant to him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. All right, I want to give you, there's four R's right here to play on. It's in the text. And if you're like a student of the Word and you're combing through the Word, it just kind of jumps out. He goes, I want you to, I want you to remember From where you've fallen. Where'd you fall from? I want you to remember from where you've fallen. The word remember in the Greek means to suffer a spiritual decline. It means this slow fade. You didn't just start raising hell all over again. It was a crank the door and a slow fade that you entered back into the world. I want you to remember... From where you've fallen, where were you? Remember, yes. You do remember, yes. Okay. Remember, therefore, therefore refers to what. You left your first love. He didn't say you lost it. He said you left it. I was pondering this week, so Monday. I leave the office here at about 4.30, and I'm heading home. And I get in my truck, and I'm about 8, 10 minutes down the road, and I'm like, ah, got to make a phone call. And in my cup holder right to my right, I keep my little earbuds. I'm old school. Can you still plug into the bottom of the phone? My phone is still old enough that you can plug into the bottom of it. So I look down, and I'm like, pfft. Where's my earbud? Where's my little earbud? I, I need to plug it in. I want to make a phone call. And I look and I'm like, uh, maybe it got knocked over. So I'm looking on the floorboard. It's not there. Was oh, that a light? Or at least I'll say that. But I'm looking and I'm like, it's not there. And then it hit me. You know where's that? When you got out of the truck this morning and went into your office, you were making a call, and you were on the phone. And when you got up to the office, you unplugged your earbuds. You left them laying on your desk, and then you put your phone back in the little case. There ain't no sense in looking for them. They're not lost. You left them on your desk. Like, I left them. Didn't lose them. Sometimes I'm looking for stuff that I feel like I've lost. I can't remember. Where did I leave that? Where did I put that? Is it lost? Most of the time, I'm like, even this morning, Barb, I don't know what the kids did when they were cleaning out the dishwasher, but that top to my Yeti cup that Craig gave me for Christmas, I can't find the top to the Yeti. And she walks in, opens the drawer. She's there, 1.8 seconds. She goes, you talking about this? And I said, Barb, I just love for you to take care of me. It wasn't lost, but here's the point. Here, here, Here's the spiritual point you were hanging with me at one time, but you left me. You, you remember when you met that person and you thought, I got to date that person and I got to be with that person, and you knew it was in violation of what I'd said, do, do not be unequally yoked, but you were willing to yoke. You didn't lose me. You just hooked up with a person that you knew that I had told you, don't, don't hook up with that person. But you did. And because of that, you started fading and you left me. You know when I told you not to take that job and you said, I got to take that job because that job pays more money. But I told you that do not be yoked together over there in that dark spot. And your justification was you were going to increase your pay from 70000 a year to 120000 a year. And now it's all jacked up. There's all this. Emor- you remember when you did. That? You remember when you started falling? You, you didn't lose me. You just left me. That's what we were talking about this week, me and one of my buddies. A couple was here, and they're like, man, nah, I'm not coming back. We're living together, and we're going to keep living together, and we're not going to get married, and we're not going to separate, because if we were to get married, we would fall into a different tax bracket. And my buddy said, so you would rather worship money than Jesus. You you remember where you left me? And that's the emphasis here. Remember from where you have fallen, you left your first love. I started thinking about this. Remember the love you had initially when you were wanting to get into the word every day? When you were longing to pray and intercede every day? When you were all about worshiping me in spirit and in truth, remember, remember when you first got like really fired up and you were listening to like Christ-centered music. But remember how you slowly started opening back the door to some of this pagan stuff, and you were like, "It's okay, I can listen to whatever I want to." You, you, you remember when you went cold-hearted, just stone dry? You remember you drank like a guppy at one time, and mm, everything you looked at, whether it would be. A beer or a glass of wine, it was it was not a beverage, it was a drug. You remember when you opened that door and slowly started fading again because you justified that? You, you remember? You, you remember when you did that? When you loved your first love? You you remember when you got frustrated in the marriage, and you were saying your spouse, your your wife from a guy's standpoint was not taking care of you? But it was okay to look at porn and to satisfy yourself through that. I mean, you you rem- you you remember when you left me? You you remember? I'm telling you, you got to look at it going, you you remember when you were giving and you were serving and you were sharing, and, and then here's the second word repent. Repent. You remember when Jesus was your source? You remember when you unplugged from Him and started plugging into the things of the world? You need to repent. You need to unplug from the things of the world and you need to run back over and plug into Jesus. You've you you you've turned to other sources to get your needs met, your love, your joy, your peace, your, your worth. And the word repent there is brings along with it the implication of contrition. It's the word David used in Psalm 51 that the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite heart. And contrition is the ability to remember the pain of your sin without going back and replaying all the video. Contrition involves godly sorrow. I've, I've hurt the heart of God. I've I've violated the heart of God. You need to repent. You need to change your apathetic love and get back to an appreciating, adoring love. Repent. And the reason we offer an extended time of prayer and communion every week, Nick knows it, Dustin knows it, Steve. The reason we do it every Sunday, Howard, is because we want to give people an opportunity to repent. We go, hey, we love you here. We're we're all just one decision, one twisted fantasy away from really jacking it up. Hey, let's repent and get it right. And we try to create a place where people can repent, where people can be made whole, where people can get right. He says, you remember? But you need to repent now. And then he says, you need to go back and redo the things you were doing at first. That's what he says. You need to go back and do the deeds you were doing at first. You need to redo. What were some of the things you were doing when you first got saved? You remember when that passage in James kind of hit you? That it said that if you will draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And you got fired up about it because you go, I got to draw near to God. But but you, you, you drifted and you've allowed your focus to get on other things. Well, what were you doing? If you're going to go back and redo what you were doing at first, what were you doing? I was going to church, and I was involved in fellowship. Then do it again. Then, then then, do it again. What what were you doing? I was getting up early every morning and having quiet time and devotional time and was journaling. Then do it again. Do it again. What, What were you doing? I was driving down the road, listening to worship, praising God. Then do it again. I was faithful in giving, living a generous life. and certain, Then do it again. What else were you doing? I, I was sharing my faith, and I believed that God could use my story to encourage someone else. And I was out doing even street evangelism, and then do it again. Because he says, it's all in the text. Repent. Redo what you were doing at first. You've got to remember from where you've fallen. Or else, now, that is a strong statement that Jesus makes. Or else, I will remove your lampstand. I will remove, church, your influence. I will remove you because he goes on to say, if I love you, I'm going to discipline you, and I'm not going to put up with it. You go, really? This is Jesus we celebrate Jesus, daily, not just on December 25 and not just at Easter, he goes, I want you to repent. I love you too much to let you stay stuck. Merle, we were talking this week just about the transformation again in your life, buddy. And it and it happened when you reached the place and I got to repent. Now, for a non-believer, you start doing the things you need to do. And that's where people like myself, Dustin, and a team of people here will come alongside of you and say, we want to help you. We want to help you. If you've never done the things because you've never repented and you've never placed your faith in Christ, we want to help disciple you because we're a discipleship-oriented church. And our vision is to reach 1,500 people over the next five years, which implies all of us have got to be out there sharing our faith, doing it part of it. But he goes, if you do not repent, I promise you, I will remove you. You go back and study the life of David. God's hand was on the life of Saul, the first king of Israel. And when Saul negotiated with God and refused to obey God, God says, I'll take my hand off of you. I will remove your influence. And I've met people that I feel like God has removed his influence. Where are you? He's speaking to the churches. And then he speaks to the church at Laodicea. And listen to what he says. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Write this. I know your deeds. Remember, to the church at Ephesus. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. You were neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. But because you were Luke, warm. We've heard this. I will spit, vomit, spew, whatever translation you got. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, you go back and study Laodicea, it was a land of wealth. It was a business uh, mecca of that day. The medical advances being made in Laodicea were cutting edge. When you go back and study Laodicea, much like Atlanta, New York, whatever. I mean, you know, there's so much money. There's so much commerce. There's so much cool things going on. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. He said, you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Those I love I reprove and discipline. Be zealous and repent. You're lukewarm. Behold, I stand at the door and knock and if anyone would open the door because they've really heard my voice and Let me come in. I'll dine and we'll get this fellowship piece going again. That's the emphasis. Like, what's he saying? Don't miss this. Please don't. Laodicea. Laodicea had money. It was a business mecca. Craig, you'll appreciate this from a plumbing standpoint. You really will. Laodicea had all this commerce, all this stuff. Laodicea had the worst aqueduct system of that day. When you go back and study the map of the seven churches, church at Ephesus, Philadelphia, Smyrna, whatever, and you look at the map and you see the church of Laodicea, Laodicea had a brutal aqueduct system. The two main sources of water for the people in Laodicea was the Hierapolis The Hierapolis was in this mountain range and there was these hot springs and it produced this really, really hot water and Laodicea was tapped in with their aqueduct system to this hot spring area of Hierapolis. And then you also had in the mountains a little town called Colossae. Paul wrote a letter to the believers in Colossae. Colossae had this cool, real cool mountain stream water that came off of it, in Laodicea was tapped into that. But their aqueduct system, meaning from the time the water left the source until the time it reached the town, the aqueduct system was so jacked up that hot water became still lukewarm water, and cold water became still lukewarm water. And even the people in that day, when you study the culture of Laodicea, when they would get water out of their well, it was so stagnant and stale and lukewarm, they would spit it out. So Jesus, when he speaks to the church at Laodicea, he's using a natural illustration point that they were all familiar with to drive home a spiritual truth. Now, here, 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 here's where you gotta go with this, I promise you. Each and every one of us, we've got to stop and go. How is my spiritual aqueduct system functioning today? The source is not the problem. You've got to stop and go, what have I allowed into my life that's hindering the flow of what God is wanting to do today? What is it? Is it some jacked up relationships and friendships? Have I opened the door to less wild lovers again that's starting to jack with me? You've got to ask the question, what is hindering the flow of God's water into my life? Remember John, where he looks at the woman at the well and says, I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. Where are you going to get it from? He goes, I got it. And it's not coming out of the ground, it's spiritual. You've got to ask the question, what is in your life today? Apathy, lying, cheating, manipulating. You go, it's lukewarm. When people drink out of my life, I'm lukewarm. What are the specific areas? Here's some things I wrote down. Listen to this. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? Makes sense to you? Aqueduct system? Brutal aqueduct system? You're lukewarm. You got all this money. You got a nice house. You got nice cars. You got all. But you're lukewarm. You may, this is like playing off my buddy Foxworthy a little bit. You may be lukewarm if you don't seek God when you make major decisions. You're self-reliant. You're self-dependent. I've got some major decisions. I'm not praying about it. I'm not praying and getting godly counsel. I'm going to do my own thing. You may be lukewarm. You may be lukewarm if your closest friends are not serious about Jesus. Your closest friends. Where where are they at in their world? You, You can tell a lot about a tree by its own fruit, but you can look at the trees that you hang out with and tell a lot about what you are willing to accommodate. Uh, you may be lukewarm if others don't take your walk with Christ as even being legit. If they think you're a poser, Millie Vanilli, just kind of lip-syncing the message and not real, they look and go, you're not legit. You're not sincere. You may be lukewarm if you do not obey the word of God. I, I'll read it, but I don't obey it. And I've had a lot of people tell me over the years, I'm not, a, I'm not a reader. Well, why? Because a person who does not read will always be at the mercy of one who does. I mean, I t- I'm telling you, I made a 575 on the SAT the first time I took it, and I felt like that was so brutal I didn't take it again. So, But I came to realize that if you do not read, you will always be at the mercy of a person who does. What are you reading? You go, I'm lukewarm. If you rob God and you justify it, then you're not living a generous life. A lot of lukewarm stuff going on inside of you. If you have more reasons than results, which means you've got more excuses than you do executions. Man, I listen to people's phrases all the time, and if they gravitate initially to an excuse, coach, Man, I look and go, I'm looking for execution, not excuses. I'm looking for results and not reasons. I I appreciate you telling me why you missed the shot. But let's talk about why we made it. Let's talk about what we can do to get better. And from a coaching standpoint and a former athletic standpoint, you listen and go, do they have more executions or more excuses? Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Knock, knock. That's what he says. That's what he says. Knock, knock. He doesn't take a sledgehammer and bust down the door. He's not crawling through a window. The tenderness of Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice, then we'll open the door and repent and say, hey, I got to have you. I'll come in and hang out with him and dine with him. But I'm inviting. I initiate. But I'm not doing it in an intimidating way. Is this for the non-believer? This is to the church at Laodicea. I've heard people use this verse right here. That he's standing it. This is to the church. Hey listen. You're lukewarm. You want to get it right? You want this Christmas to count? You want every Christmas to count? Meaning every day we worship. And celebrate the Christ of Christmas. Where you at? As a staff. Our heart is to see you thrive, not just survive. Hey, remember? From where you fall? Yeah. Why don't you repent today? Why don't you redo some things that you know are missing in your life right now? Why don't you do a thorough examination of your spiritual aqueduct system? and own what's blocking my word from being able to penetrate and saturate your heart. I invite you to experience the relentless tenderness of Jesus Christ, each of us.